Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today, and a very happy Father's Day to all the men listening. Today, I have chosen to speak on the biography of a Christian missionary, Samuel Ajayi Crowther, who made a significant impact on the continent of Africa. Crowther was a linguist and the first Anglican African bishop in Nigeria. It is not uncommon for Pastor Jim to deliver a message on a biography on an important day like this, so I've chosen to follow in his footsteps. The aim is to understand the characteristics that made the lives of these godly men and women commendable. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your many blessings and for protecting the lives of our members and our community, Father Lord, since the beginning of the pandemic. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father Lord, as I bring your word to your church today, I pray that you speak through me, and I pray that the message will be a blessing to the congregation. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. The title of the book is Samuel Crowther, Man of Africa, Servant of God, the slave boy who won his country for Christ. Ajayi was 12 years old when he and his family were captured along with his entire village by the Fulani slave raiders in 1821 and sold to Portuguese slave traders. He was traded for a horse, and when the horse did not perform, he was sent to the market again where he was sold to a woman slave owner. As a slave, Ajayi witnessed so many tragedies and was very fearful of his predicament that he attempted to take his own life. He later wrote, Thus the Lord, while I knew him not, led me not into temptation and delivered me from evil. The slave owner who was fearful he could attempt suicide again quickly sold him to another owner. Ajayi was loaded onto another ship and he was very worried that he could be thrown overboard like other slaves. Ajayi was freed when some British men of war boarded his ship and eventually two British ships full of slaves sailed to Syria alone. Unfortunately, on the way, they encountered a fierce storm. Ajayi's ship weathered the storm, but the other vessel did not. All the people on board the other ship died. In 1786, the British government established a settlement near Syria alone on the west coast of Africa for freed slaves. The name was Freetown, Province of Freedom. Crisis erupted on the settlement that was blamed on depraved young men. But as a physician, I can imagine the tragedies that many of the young men witnessed, such as the killing of their parents and unlawful separation without any support for their mental well-being. The British government set up schools to educate the freed slaves. And at last, Christian missionaries arrived and began evangelizing in addition to teaching. By the end of the slave trade, Ajayi could not be returned to his village. His village lay in ashes. His father was dead and his mother was a slave. Ajayi's care was entrusted in the care of uh, Mr. Devi and his wife, a missionary couple. Due to his treatment as a slave, his health was compromised. Ajayi's health was restored under the loving care of the Davies. Ajayi began to learn English and he had extra lessons and he was able to read the New Testament on his own. 
He converted to Christianity and in December 1825 he was baptized and he took the name Samuel Ajayi Crowder. While in Freetown, Crowder became interested in languages. In 1826, he was taken to England to attend the School of St. Mary's Church in Islington, which had established a connection with freed Africans in the 18th century. Ajayi wanted to remain in England to continue his studies, but when the Davies were returning to Africa, they declined his request. The Davies felt it was best for him to return to Freetown with them. Ajayi later wrote, my chief desire was to learn something which would be good for me and my fellow creatures. When I was to be sent back home again, I begged very hard, not for anything else, but that I might remain there and learn something, so that when I came to Africa, I might be a little help to the mission. Ajayi returned to Freetown in 1827. He was the first student admitted to the newly opened Fura Bay College an Anglican missionary school, Furabe College produced many great African leaders, including my late father-in-law, who was educated at the school. At Furabe, he progressed rapidly, and his instructor, a German pastor, wrote, he is a very clever lad, and it is a real pressure to instruct him. Ansel also noted that he possessed thirst for knowledge and an indefatigable industry. Crowder became an assistant teacher at the school, and at Fura Bay, he realized the blessings of not staying back in England. Crowder married Susanna, another freed slave, and they were blessed with four children. They were expecting the fifth when he was selected to accompany missionary James Conn on the Niger expedition in 1841. The goal of the expedition was to stimulate commerce, teach agriculture techniques, encourage Christianity, and to help end slave trade. The first expedition was a difficult one for the missionaries, plagued with diseases that they were not used to, and treatments for these diseases were not readily available. They were plagued with fevers, and ships were converted into hospitals, probably malaria, and typhoid that killed a lot of Africans and missionaries before treatment became very readily available. This was even more difficult for the foreign missionaries as they lacked exposure to the diseases. And so many people died, including physicians. One could imagine how difficult it was for missionaries back then. Considering the current pandemic that we are dealing with, despite the technological advances that we have, and yet it's preventing us from gathering together as a church family. The expedition traveled along the route from Yoruba land to Igbo land and Igalatri in the present day Nigeria. Pastor Jim will remember his dad, a missionary who served in Nigeria today. The following are testimonies from missionaries, from missionaries about Samuel Crowther. The Reverend James Conn wrote I have just seen Samuel Crowther from the Southern, and I'm happy to say that he is very well and anxious to get into the heart of Africa. I find him a very useful man, and I wish much to have more of his company, especially when we once get into the interior. He only regrets with myself that he cannot pursue his studies as much as he wishes. He has, however, lost no time. 
He copied our translations and read the Greek Testament, which will always be of much use to him. Uh, another missionary, Bortiman, wrote, There is no one more fit to be entrusted with the ministry of the gospel among his own brethren than Samuel Crowder. Such solid knowledge Samuel Crowder possesses is rarely found among his brethren, and it is far more rarely combined with such modesty as is. In response to these high testimonies about his life and capabilities, in September 1842, he found himself again on British soil when he was summoned, and on June 11, 1843, he was ordained to the Ministry of the Word by Dr. Blomfield, the Bishop of London. Crowther was asked to preach, and he started another voyage home in Africa. He later became the first bishop of the Niger. By the end of the second voyage, he completed the grammar translation and vocabulary of Yoruba language, which afterwards was invaluable in spreading the gospel. Yoruba is my native language, and it is spoken in most, uh, West, most parts of West Africa. He also began codifying other languages. What this meant for the missionaries back then was that the Africans, our forefathers, were able to read the Bible in their native language, which was invaluable. On December 18, 1844, a group of missionaries led by Henry Townsend sailed from Syria alone to begin work at Abeokuta. Abeokuta is a city in southwest Nigeria. Among the group was Samuel Crowther, his wife, and children. It was while on this mission in Abeokuta that he unexpectedly learned that his mother and two sisters were alive in a neighboring town of Abake. This was after 25 years of separation. What a joy of reunion. He was able to lead his mother to Christ. Dandison, Crowder's son, having traveled with his father on his missionary journeys for decades, the child had now grown into a man who had learned the role of a pastor and missionary from his time in the trenches. On June 19, 1870, he was ordained at the hands of his father at St. Mary's Parish Church, Arlington, what a great joy for Ajayi as a father. Writing on his life and work, the Church Missionary Society recorded the following. From the earliest years in the providence of God, Samuel Crowther's lust was cast amidst some of the saddest displays of life's wickedness and depravity of human heart. And in this environment, he persevered and consistently carried on the battle against evil, maintaining throughout an unblemished reputation. As regards the church, he has most courageously fulfilled to the best of his abilities, and they were of no small order, and with unremitting diligence and devotion, the duties of a bishop under circumstances of almost unexplained difficulty and in the face of exceptional discouragements and disappointments. As regards himself, 
we may say that his life is a conspicuous proof of the power of the gospel and of the continued presence of the Spirit of God in Christ's church. Toward the end of his life, his health failed, and he was grateful to be at the bedside of his wife when she died. Crowther suffered a paralysis that was probably a stroke, and through it all, he was steadfast in his work with God. In probably his last letter before he died, he wrote, My prayer is that God, who called me first from among my people to the important post in his service, may give me the grace to set good example for others to follow. On December 31, 1891, he died. Application. How do we apply what we have learned from this book to our lives today and as fathers? First, I would like to say that Crowther's desire was to set good example of a godly life. This was evident in his life, and his desire was made known in his last letter. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, in the, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It, the word of the Lord says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In verse 1 of the same chapter, the author talked about good name. A good name is more desirable than great riches. Matthew Henry, in his commentary of the, on the Bible, explained this further as a great duty enjoined particularly to those that are parents and instructors of children in order to propagate wisdom that it may not die with them. In Proverbs 20 verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. In Crowder's lifetime, he was very happy that his son was able to follow in his steps. It was not a coincidence. He set good examples for him we need to initiate our children in the Lord's way, and we need to engage in studying God's word at home and praying with our families. Evangelism. Crowder had genuine calling for missions and evangelism, not motivated by monetary gains, but a deep desire to win souls for Christ. When he was selected to go on the expedition, his friends mocked him that he could have made money in other ventures but Crowder did not listen to them. His main goal was to win souls for Christ. In Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, the word of the Lord says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. As fathers, God desires for us to win souls for him. And that was Crowder's mission when he was uh, working in Africa. Courage. During the expedition, he was kidnapped and even along with his son. And once he was shipwrecked. When he was shipwrecked, Crowder did not throw in the towel. He did not give up. He immediately set up a mission post and he began evangelizing the communities and he engaged them. I know this is a difficult time for different fathers in our community, in our church, who have lost source of income because of the pandemic 
uh, economic shutdown. I encourage you not to give up. Let us put our trust in the Lord. It, and it is my prayer that the Lord will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. Crada was unashamed of the gospel. The Europeans attempted to prevent him from teaching from the Old Testament with the impression that the teachings of the Old Testament will affect a young convert in a negative way. Crowder, however, refused to budge as he knew the British men were mistaken. God had committed the entire Bible, both Old and New Testaments, to his charge. He declined, and that was based on his knowledge of the Bible, as stated in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Empathy as a Christian. Crowther was a man of God by his actions during the expedition, and this was witnessed by fellow Christians. The fruit of the Spirit was evident in his life. He was a gentleman. He had great patience that was even helpful in his negotiations. One African king wrote to an acquaintance of Crowther's, he said, salute Crowther, the great Christian minister. After salutation, please tell him he is a father to us in this land. Anything that he sees will injure us in this land, he will not like it. This we know perfectly well. The word of the Lord says in Proverbs 23, verses 22 to 25, listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous, of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth, who gave you birth be joyful. I referenced Matthew Henry's commentary to explain this further. We ought to give reference to our fathers of our flesh, who begot us, and were the instruments of our being. Much more ought we to obey and be in subjection to the Father of our spirits, who made us, and is the author of our being. I will end my message by addressing fathers as under-shepherds at home. In Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, the word of the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In Timothy Whitman's book, The Shepherd Leader, according to the Bible, each family has an under-shepherd at home, and it is the head of the family. Fathers have responsibility to shepherd their little flock at home. And our church will also benefit if they do this well. We must have a plan. We must make it a priority. 
we must do it constantly, and it's an ongoing uh, work. May the Lord help us. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for our fathers who are listening today. We pray, Father Lord, that you continue to grant them wisdom to raise a godly family. We pray, Father Lord, that you will be with the uh, uh, for, those, for, for those of us who have lost loved ones, Father Lord, we pray that as they remember their fathers today, the memories will be a blessing to them. Father Lord, we remember those of us, some fathers who are struggling to connect with their sons and daughters, Father Lord, because the sons and daughters have strayed away from you. We pray, Father Lord, that you will bring them back home. We pray that you will answer the prayers of these fathers and mothers who are praying fervently to bring these children back home, Father Lord. We remember our mothers today who are pillars of support in our families. We pray that you continue to bless them and keep them. And Father Lord, we remember some of our fathers who have served you well and either because of age and one ailment or the other, they are dealing with challenges today. Father Lord, it is my prayer that they will not forsake you. They will, fight, they will finish the race well. So that, Father Lord, at the end, nobody shall be found wanting on Judgment Day. This we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.